You remember in um, they celebrate the day of Passover when the death angel passed over. You know the Jews celebrate that. Do you remember they had to put the um, you know when the uh, Moses had finally said you know to Pharaoh, "Hey, you gotta let my people go," and uh, wouldn't let them go, wouldn't let them go, wouldn't let them go. But you remember uh, he said to the people of God, you got to put the blood over the doorposts and the, the, what's that top part called? Lintel. The lintel, you know, of your house. And uh, when the death angel comes and he sees the blood, when he sees the blood, he will pass over. When he sees the blood, he will pass over. And they still celebrate the Passover to this day. You know, and, and uh, we do too, but from a different, uh, oh, that kind of fits the offering message with a different light, with a little more light. And so, you know, what they had to do is they had to take this uh, hyssop and they dipped the hyssop in the blood and then they applied it to the doorposts and the lintel. In other words, the way in to their family, uh, you had to pass through the blood. And somehow the death angel can't pass by where the blood is applied cannot pass where the blood is applied. Well, that's the old covenant. Well, we have a better covenant that is established on better promises. And in the better covenant that's established upon better promises, well, we still have to apply the blood with the hyssop. But instead of getting that blood from some physical uh, uh, container... Well, we just draw from the container which is inside of the believer. That's where Christ is. And we draw from the blood. In other words, we recognize, we look to the inside, we find the blood. And the way we apply it with the hyssop is with our tongue. Your tongue is the hyssop. And you take that tongue connected with the blood of Jesus in your heart and you apply that blood. Now, um... We're going to finish a little earlier than normal in Jesus' name. And Gary's my accountability partner for this. Uh, and, and then we're going to, uh, uh, we have prepared fresh, semi, juice, because the juice we had was already fermented. So did we separate the wafers out of every package? Or, so the wafers, no, no, we don't need to. I thought I saw you doing that. Okay, good. So don't drink the juice that's in your sealed container. We have a separate juice, but there is a little wafer, which is not fresh. It's the bitter herbs and spices. No, I mean, so, so we have a little wafer, and we have some uh, grape juice to represent the body and the blood of the Lord, which we'll do in just a little bit. Um, so I want to turn over just to one passage of Scripture, I believe. I'm sure I'll use other Scriptures, but this is the main text that we're going to focus on over in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And I'm going to begin reading uh, for right now with verse 12. Hebrews chapter 9. I'm going to read verse 12 through verse 14. Uh, and I'm going to be reading in the King James translation right now. It says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, 
but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, in other words, uh, under the old agreement, the old covenant, all that was purified was their flesh. They weren't actually purified. It just purified their flesh, which was good, but very limited. Um, Verse 14. If the blood in verse 13 of animals served to purify the flesh, 14, how much more will the blood of Christ so think, think about that for just a second. I like T.L. Osborne. He's in heaven now. But one of my favorite things he would say is, think. The most difficult work in the world is thinking. You have the mind of Christ. Use it. You know, I guess some of the greatest revelation when I think I'm not saying natural human reasoning, but my reasoning can support my Meditation habit. (laughs) So think about this. Meditate. Chew on this. Like, you got the blood of animals that are, are, you know, they find the animals and they're spotless animals. They're still looking for the red heifer that's completely red. You know, if there's like one little hair there, they kind of uh, say, no, you're unqualified. That one's unqualified. Maybe they found this one because they've been raising this calf for a few years and they, they keep looking and they think, they say like, oh, I think there's a, a non-red hair. And then they go check, oh no, it was red. So I don't know, is it still growing? Anybody know? It's still. Yeah, so it's, it's maybe not quite the age where they can sacrifice it yet, but you know, Revelation talks about they will actually do that again. So anyhow, they've been looking for years for this thing. They haven't had anything that's come close and now this one's, so far qualified. <laughs> so you think, uh, but these animals had to be spotless animals that they would offer as sacrifices for the sins of the people and for the sins of the high priest. And so priests could go into the holy place all the time, but they could only go into the most holy place only one time a year, and only the high priest could go in there. But he first had to have our sacrifices for his own sins and then the sins of the people. So you know, tradition says they actually tied a rope around his ankle and bells so that if he went in there, if they stopped hearing the bells, they, they figure, oh, he must have had some sin. So he dead. So we're pulling him out so we don't die going in there. Right? So it's serious stuff. And, uh, but if the blood of those animals, if it uh, was effective against the fleshly things, How much more does the blood of Christ, without spot, without blemish, without fault, how how much more uh, does the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, how much more will that blood purge your conscience from dead works 
to serve the living God. How much more? So, so you see in the old, old covenant, the old setup, we'll say like, uh, I'll take your sins away. You know, I'll impute them through the laying of my hands, you know, uh, to the animals. You know, there's a scapegoat and there's so many things. I don't want to get into all of that right now. But you still have a consciousness that I messed up. You still have a consciousness that I'm not perfect. You have a consciousness that, well, I did it before. I guess I'll do it again. Like, what is wrong with me? And, man, this animal had to give its life because of me. Well, that's great imagery. You know, it's like, it says in the last days that they're going to forbid you to eat meat. Do you know that in the Bible? It says that? They're trying to forbid you to eat meat in the name of the environmental God. Well, that, that shouldn't be a surprise if you read your Bible because it says they'll forbid you to eat meat. Well, I like to eat meat. But even if I didn't like to eat meat, I would like to eat meat. just because they say I can't. No, no. Uh, no, because why? What happens when you eat meat? Well, especially for my wife, it's part of my sustenance. It sustains my, my life. In order to have that sustain my life, a life had to be lost. Why? I don't know. I think my wife might be sorely disappointed in heaven. I, I don't know that we're going to eat meat. You know, the lion's going to lay down with the lamb. Well, because sin entered the world and death came by sin. So sometimes when I sit down to eat meat, actually more times than not now, I actually remember the life that was given so I could be sustained, and that reminds me of Christ. So that's why I like to eat meat. It reminds me of the sacrifice. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So, so, so our consciences need to be purged from dead works. Dead works. Like, well, I, I, I'm just doing this to get right with God. I, I'm trying to make up for this. You know, you know I failed, so <laughs> I'm buy my wife a bunch of flowers. I forgot her special day or didn't do things as planned. So I'm like compensating and uh, responding to my consciousness of the mistake that I made. But it says that the blood of Jesus goes a lot further. Really, I, I think how, the, how he's saying it is it's not even comparable hardly to the blood of a lamb. A blood of an animal. That, the, that was just all external. This is talking about you're cleansed internally. Well, if you get things right internally, the external is automatic. Look at the, we don't have time in order to keep my agreement with Gary, but if you read the whole ninth chapter, you would see, and even uh, you go to chapter eight a little bit before, I think you have to delve into that just a little bit. Well, you actually find out that well, okay, Gary, hold on. (laughs) 
Chapter 8, verse 10, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they will be to me a people. Well, what was he talking about? Well, before, like, you're just externally trying to do all the stuff and, well, I'm supposed to, okay, what am I supposed to do? Tell me what I'm supposed to do and I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to do it to a T. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. You just tell me what I need to do. Well, in order to do what you need to do under those conditions, you don't have to have the heart. I can have your actions, but your heart is far from me, Jesus said. Well, at least you did the actions, but your heart's far from me. But the problem is you're imperfect, so even trying to perfectly do all of the actions, you will fail. And then if you're relying upon that perfect performance, the perfect performance of people is pathetic. So if you're trying to rely upon your perfect performance, well, well you're going to have to like uh, be good at faking it. Because you, well, I know I messed that up, but I don't want anybody else to know I messed that up. And you got all these other things going on. But he said, I'm going to, I can see you need some help. So I'm going to write my law in your heart. Before I wrote it on tablets, man-made, man-made, man, man, huge stone, you know, the stone, but I'm going to write it on tablets of stone. Now I'm writing it on your heart. Praise God. Every believer has the commandment of God written on their heart, in their heart. In other words, if I just draw water from the wells of salvation, with joy I draw water from the wells of salvation. If I just get excited, I'm born again. I got the law of God written on my heart. I'm just going to live from my heart. Well, my actions just automatically fulfill all the requirements of the law, which under the new uh, covenant agreement we're with, it is the law of love. And God is love. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So you have the law of love written on your heart. And so if you just look to your heart... You know what to do in every single situation. Especially when your flesh is screaming, no. <laughs> Gratify me. Give me something here. So he said, that law is now written on our heart. And then he said, the blood of Jesus doesn't just cleanse you outwardly. Oh no, it, it, it penetrates a whole lot more. It penetrates to the very source and core of the human being, your spirit. And it will purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. 1 John 1, 9 is written to believers and it says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, sometimes the greatest act a believer can do is come into agreement that they sinned and they messed up and that's how you get rid of it, not pretending like you didn't do it. I'm not saying you got to get up and get a mic and say it to everybody, but I'm saying you need to confess it to the Lord. Say, Lord, once again I have realized my need of you. Once again, I am reminded how imperfect and weak my flesh is. But that reminds me of how perfect and strong you are. 
Once again, I've learned that I, I stumbled and I tried to do it on my own and tried to do it my way. So once again, I've learned how wonderful your plan is. Once again, I've learned how merciful you are. And I thank you for cleansing me from all unrighteousness. Well, some people have taken the first step and they believe that God forgives them. But they haven't taken the second step in forgiving themselves. Do you know how to take the second step and forgive yourself? Just like the first step, you act on the word. Acting on the word is an act of faith. So you say, wait a minute. Psalm 103, he said, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our sins from us. Do you know what that means, Alan? You know what that means? He's removed our sins from us. Whoa, wait a second. I thought every time the devil came and brought a picture and, and, and brought, brought an echo, an image, and a sound of the sin that you committed... I think maybe he was lying all those times because I think he's trying to get us to identify that's me that's who I am I am a sinner I am a failure I am weak I am unworthy well you hear those words coming out of people that listen to the thoughts of the enemy but the word says he has actually removed our sins from us so we are not our sins. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb which reaches further than any natural lamb. We have been redeemed by the eternal lamb but the eternal spirit is what the scripture says. We have been redeemed by the blood of the eternal spirit. Imagine if God himself had blood and had flesh and actually was perfect in all of his ways and powerful in all of his ways and figured out a way to bring that perfection into natural human flesh and dominate it. Enter the death experience and come back with dominion. And then he found out a way that we could access that same life, access that same freedom. Hallelujah. That the blood of Jesus purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So now I have a spirit, an unction on the inside. I have a, a director, a, a, an urger, a prompter, a helper, a strengthener, a confidence builder. You can do it. Just act on the word. You can live in it. You've been made to do this. You've been recreated in my son, Jesus Christ. Now just watch what happens when you live in him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Our consciences are purged. So you have absolutely no business, if you are a believer, being weakness conscious, being failure conscious, having inability consciousness, that you look, you know, if you're doing that, you're just looking to the flesh. 
if any man sees who he is in Christ, he will see a brand new creature. He will behold a brand new being. He will behold one that is in union with the very life that gives everything life, the very life of God. If any man be in Christ, if any man be united with Christ, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? Well, I'm in agreement with the word. I'm in agreement that I am who he says I am, that I have what he says I have, that I can do what he says I can do. I refuse to be dominated by the devil. He is a liar. He is a stealer. He is deceptive. He wants to steal life from you. He wants to steal money from you. He wants to steal relationships from you. He wants to steal anything that you'll let him steal, he wants to steal from you. Praise the Lord. And now we will pass out the elements that represent the body and blood of the Lord. Gary, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I asked him to help me. But your consciousness will change everything. So the only requirements for communion are to be a believer. If you're born again, uh, then you're invited to uh, partake of the Lord's Supper with us. We do not believe, the Bible does not teach, that this um, actually becomes the literal body of Christ and the literal blood of Christ. It just represents that. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 does say, you know, there is a reason. It's actually the only reason given in the New Testament why Christians would ever have sickness or disease. It's because they don't rightly discern the Lord's body. And so I, I think there's two main things there. I'm sure there's more. And Lord, we ask you to show us even more. But there's two main things that I, I, I'm currently aware of. And that is because you don't actually understand that the body of Jesus, the stripes that were laid on his physical body, also affected his spirit, that by his stripes we were healed. Healing actually has to do with righteousness, and righteousness has to do with healing. And so, um, uh, you really need to be righteous. And the way that you become righteous is the born-again Spirit is righteous. So the avenue to righteousness is salvation. Actually, you're delivered from unrighteousness. And you can even be delivered from unrighteous acts because 1 John 1, 9 says, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you are righteous even if you commit a sin. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So even your acts after you're a righteous being, if, you're, if you slip up and, you know, what do you call that? Overcome with the flesh? You know, you, you just got uh, some challenges. You're not perfect. Well, you just come into agreement with that. That'll bring you more freedom than what you realize. Oh, I get a, a fresh one. Praise the Lord. That's good because I'm a new creature 
And if I put old wine into an old creature, it might burst. <laughs> and so the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, on the same day that Christ was betrayed, he gave thanks. On the same day he was betrayed, he gave thanks. You cannot trust human beings. God is not a man that he should lie. But you can trust God. He is not a liar. And there is only truth in him. So people might betray you. But God will never betray you. Interesting, on the day he was betrayed, his response was to give thanks. Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for the broken body of Jesus Christ. We thank you for every stripe that was laid upon him. We thank you for complete healing in our bodies. We thank you that you've made us new creatures in our spirits. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, break and eat. On the same day it said he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you drink this cup, eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Well, that's interesting. You proclaim the death of the Lord. Every time you do this, we're proclaiming Jesus our Lord died. Wonder, wonder what was with him when he died. Your sins, sinful nature, your sickness and your disease. You're proclaiming the death of those things. Death is separation. Whoa, you're proclaiming the separation of those things from your life, from your account. You know what separates you from those things? The blood of Jesus. You know what caused the shedding of the blood of Jesus? The love of God. Let's, let's drink this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the cleansing power of the blood. The redeeming power of the blood. Thank you for revealing to us the Lordship of Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus as Lord, Father, I pray right now that you reveal to every believer and every non-believer the lordship of Christ, the majesty of Christ, and the love of Christ. To open every heart to your life and your plan in Jesus' name. Just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're with us in the room or watching with online, you know there's more to existing than just living and dying? You are an eternal spirit. One day your body will pass away unless Jesus comes back before them. 
But if he doesn't come back before then, your body will die. But you will live on. And you will either live in heaven for all eternity or you'll live separated from God for all eternity in hell. God does not want any person to go to hell. But he will not force any one of us to become part of his family. He invites us. So if you're listening, and maybe you don't even recognize what's going on. Maybe you don't even know what that is, but there's a cry in your heart. There is a tug on your heart to confess Jesus as Lord, to give your life to God by accepting Jesus Christ. I'm talking to you right now. God loves you. And he has preserved your life to this very day so that you can become part of his family because he loves you. He has awesome things for you. Romans chapter 10 says, if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess that with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, you're not guaranteed another minute on this earth in that body. There's nothing like being born again. It's the ultimate thrill, the ultimate light. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few seconds, and when I do, I want to invite you to pray that prayer with me, all believers and those that would like to receive Jesus as your Lord. God loves you. He'd been waiting on you. You know, if you would have been the only one that would accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, he would have died just for you. It's very personal. Say this with me if you'd like to receive the Lord or if you've already been born again. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross for me. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for you. I give you my life, give you my heart, give you my hopes and dreams. You are my Lord. Father God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. Satan, you have no right to my life. I have been taken from your kingdom and put into God's kingdom, God's family. I'm free. And he who Jesus set free is really free. And I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.